Well, today I want to begin by telling a story, and I want to see if you can guess what the story is. There is a hero in our story, and there is a call to adventure. And at the beginning of this adventure, there is a threshold that must be passed in order for this person, this hero, to enter into the adventure. But along the way, our hero meets a mentor, a guide, a helper to get him there along the way. And eventually, our hero walks through the darkest part of the journey, only to realize that there must be a death to self. There must be something that changes inside of our hero that results in a new revelation. It results in a new transformation. And then eventually there's justice that is served. There's some sort of atonement that happens for our hero in the story. And then there is a return to freedom as things should be. Does anyone know the story by chance? Does anyone know? That's right. You got it. And you're married to me. So that's not fair. That's every story ever. That's every story ever. What am I referring to? I'm referring to something called the hero's journey. And the hero's journey uh, really has been popularized in the last 50 years. Uh, there's a book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces written by Joseph Campbell. And he actually was influenced deeply by the philosopher Carl Jung, uh, who actually kind of did some stuff around analytical psychology. And it describes that there's a narrative pattern in almost every story that we see. Now think of popular uh, stories. Think of uh, what would be the most popular uh, hero's journey, probably Star Wars. Like you've got Luke and you've got, uh, uh, hey, stop the talking in the front. What was that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't call people. Well, Les Mis? Is Les Mis popular? Yeah. Les Mis is a good one. Yeah. Okay. So there's Star Wars. There's Les Mis. Uh, the Matrix would be another one. There's an invitation into the journey. Neo is like, who are you? And he's like, my name's Morpheus. Duck down. And he runs across the thing. They do the thing with the thing. It's Olympic season. Right? So, uh, obviously, the hero's journey can be found in the movie Cool Runnings. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie. Yeah? Has anyone ever seen that movie? That was my favorite. I've seen a lot of celebrities. Uh, we actually saw Joanna Gaines yesterday shopping at a sh shop on Montana. That's not my favorite. My favorite sighting is one of the guys from Cool Runnings. I was like, oh, this brings me back to my childhood. I, I'm not here to tell you that. Okay, so anyway, uh, there's, there, is a, there is an arc to those stories where there's a hero, and then they, they are exposed to this adventure. There's an archetype to every story. Now, here's the fun part. Um, that's our story, too, that each one of us are in that story, and more about that later. I think the reason we love those stories, and we love the arc of those stories is because I think in a lot of ways, we want to see ourselves in them. Uh, we want to be a hero to some extent. Uh, we want to believe that it's possible. We want to believe that somewhere in the subconscious levels uh, of our lives, uh, that one day we'll wake up and we'll discover that we have a gift. And that gift has been dormant in us all along. And the dormant thing that was in us uh, isn't just a pipe dream, isn't just some accident, but really there's something that was in us all along. I think about like the Marvel series and it's just like, they're, they're always like come to, I didn't realize it was in me all along. And there's a helper that's like, yeah, it was. Captain Marvel, you can do this. <laughs> and, and, and I think that sometimes we like those stories because what if it was true? What if there was something in us that could actually help us to be the hero that we were called to be. 
Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are a part of that reality. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to cue the Star Wars music, <laughs> like where it's like all, you know, the force is with us. Because this is your call to adventure. That there is a world out there that is broken and there are evil spiritual forces that want to destroy us. Uh, and I'm not talking about other human beings. I'm talking about spiritual forces. But because of what Jesus has done, he has established this new kingdom through the cross and his resurrection. And now we can draw close to him. And we can draw close to what he wants to give us. And what we read about in the Bible is real. And those spiritual gifts that were operating in those people were real. And so we have this opportunity to join up with the Spirit of God, not just to make sure that we read our Bibles and come to church and stuff, but to operate in the power of God's Spirit. What if it was real? What if it was possible for you? What if it was actually possible for you to operate in the spiritual power that God gives us or offers to us? Now, if you're not currently operating using spiritual gifts, the gifts that God's given to you, to see supernatural things in your life, today is your call to adventure. And consider me your helper. Consider me your guide. I'm going to invite you into that. And in, in a little bit, uh, you know, we are going to actually do something. We're going to actually release spiritual gifts to people. And half of you are going to love it, and the other half of you are going to be really embarrassed and hate it. But keep that to yourself. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this. But before we do, I'm going to pray one more time. Holy Spirit, we want you to release spiritual gifts. We want to play a part in your story. We don't just want to sit on the sidelines. And so I got to ask that you would come, that you would help me to speak as I should, God, and that you begin to stir up the things that you want to do in people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Ingrid read from 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, what they are, and from that we can infer what they are not. And something that's just really cool, there's different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. It's the same God who's behind all of these gifts. So, but before we talk more about that, I just want to talk about what spiritual gifts are not. Spiritual gifts, if you're taking notes, this is number one. Spiritual gifts are not natural aptitudes, strengths, or attitudes. Um, one of our very own, uh, Glenn over here, sometimes can lift heavy objects over his head when he helps us set up and take down. Uh, I like to call him Swole Glenn. Um, that is a natural ability, bro. That is not a spiritual gift, but it is awesome. And God often uses our natural abilities to lift 100 pounds over our head at any given time. Uh, sometimes I make jokes, very rarely they're funny. And sometimes that would be called a natural ability. <laughs> Uh, Patrick uh, is uh, really good at knowing every movie ever. And uh, it's true, right? That's a natural aptitude. Now, God can use that. God can redeem that. <laughs> I know that was a dig. Uh, I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I'll apologize later in private over a note. Um, you have opinions? He does have opinions, yeah. At one point, I shared some of my opinions about film, saying that the greatest film of all, romantic comedy of all time is... You've got mail. Wrong. <laughs> it's you've got mail. And him and his friend were talking, and his friend said back to him, does Chris just have bad taste? <laughs> That's, 
That may be true. So anyway, uh, natural aptitudes, your strengths, your ability to do your job really well at your job, that's awesome. Praise God. Keep doing a good job. If you stop doing a good job, they'll fire you. So don't do a bad job. But that's a natural aptitude. And God works within those things to make a difference in the world. Just right wherever you are, wherever you work, whatever you do. I'm doing my job right now. Wherever you work, whatever you do, in the neighborhood, your ability to bake brownies of any kind and then drop them off at the neighbor's house. That's a natural skill. That's awesome. That's awesome. And God wants to use those things. But that's not a spiritual gift. Number two, they're not character traits. Uh, we are called to have character and our gifts should be a product of that. Um, and a person should not say like, for instance, that they have uh, the gift of peace. Because all of us, because what does that infer, right? Well, I don't have the gift of peace, so therefore I'm allowed to be really mean to people. I have the gift of war. <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? Like, um, there's the fruits of the Spirit too. So uh, Tara, Tara's back working with our kids right now. She is so kind, you know, but being kind, uh, that's something that the Spirit brings up in us and develops in us, but that's not technically a spiritual gift. Some of you are just really nice people. It's not a spiritual gift, but keep being nice. I don't have the spiritual gift of niceness or kindness. <laughs> I have the gift of directness, but that's not a spiritual gift either. That's just a character trait, a flaw, if you will. Number three, titles or positions. So a spiritual gift is not a title or a position. And this is where sometimes the, uh, some of the evangelical Pentecostal world uh, has created some, something like a permanent office that like, it's something that, you know, you'd say, well, you know, I have used the gift of prophecy in the past, therefore now I am a prophet. And I just want us to encourage us to not go in that direction and start calling each other prophets. Uh, it doesn't work. And it, what we see is sometimes there's moments when God's spirit rests on us for a particular work, but it's never a permanent title or position. So we want to avoid that. And then lastly, we see that it's not promoting. It's not self-promoting. Um, if I had a, um, a genie in a lamp, I would wish, you want to know my wish? Too bad, I got the mic. I would wish that every time I did any kind of a competency or skill or activity, I wish that the next time I did that activity, I was one billion times better than the previous time. So then the next time when I do it, I'm a billion times better. Isn't that the greatest idea for a gift, right? And so within like a week, I'm like a master guitar player. Uh, I'm obviously a better preacher. Uh, <laughs> I'm really good at day trading. I'm going to win the LA Marathon. Why? Because I ran twice. You know, like I love, I love that. But those are all for me. That's what I want. I want to win the marathon. Uh, I want to do things better. They're, they're promoting me and my agenda, what I would want. And what we want to avoid when we're talking about spiritual gifts is this idea that they're there for us. And don't think that God doesn't see my heart and he doesn't see your heart. When we try to, uh, if we attempt to leverage spiritual gifts for our own personal gain, it really will fall flat on its face for you and for me. 
And so we'll never be a pure of heart. We'll never be totally pure. And we talked about that in previous weeks. We're always going to have like a selfish edge to us, but we want to do our best to not use them to promote ourselves. We want to use those gifts to promote the God that saves us, the God that is with us, the God that wants to penetrate into the lives of people that have yet to be touched. There's people in your life that are suffering. They're suffering of acute problems, chronic problems, and God wants to touch them, and God wants to use you to do it. But after that work is done, what we don't want to do is try to take it back and use it to promote ourselves. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Are we clear? Okay, cool. All right. I'm getting a lot of, you must be just totally overwhelmed with what I'm saying. So if that's what spiritual gifts are not, what are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are a role. Spiritual gifts are a role. And sometimes it's a role that you and I get to play from time to time. And sometimes we're just doing our thing, living our life, and someone comes up to us and says, hey, I'm suffering from this condition. Will you pray for me? And that is that, is that role that we get to step into. There's nothing permanent about it. We don't know if it'll happen again for us or for them. We don't know if we'll be asked again. But we step into that role and we do what God has called us to do in that moment. And part of how we get to use our spiritual gifts is we say yes when people ask us to pray for them, when there's a condition in their body or they're going through something in their, uh, with their family or there's something emotional or something from their past is so dark and sinister that it just affects the way they live their life now, that is our opportunity to say yes and for God to work through us to help other people. The next level of that, that role, is to look for opportunities to pray for people even though they haven't asked you. Hey, you see someone walking down the street and they've got a limp. What does it look like for you to go to them and say, hey, can I pray for you? You see something that's happening in someone's life at a community group or you see them here at church and you go, hey, hey buddy, it doesn't look like you have a skip in your step. What's wrong? And maybe they explain to you what's going on. You say, well, can I pray for you? So there's the times where people are moving towards you. You always want to be open to that role of using or asking God to do something with them, with your spiritual gifts. But at the same time, another way is to consider, God, do you want me to be proactive in this moment? Do you want me to pray for someone that didn't ask to be prayed for? You always ask permission, though. You don't run up to people and smack them on the head. That's not our style. You want to ask them, can I pray for you? So it's a role. But within that, when we look at these verses, the verses that Ingrid read, we see that you, and, uh, you, in and of yourself, you don't have spiritual gifts. They don't start with you. They don't start with your best intentions and emotions. They don't gender, the roots of a spiritual gift don't come from your awesomeness, as awesome as you are. They don't come from that. But God, God is the one who has spiritual gifts, and he gives them to us. And now, if you're a follower of Jesus, what that means is that God's Spirit lives in you. And if God's Spirit lives in you and dwells in you, this means that the God that has all the gifts is also dwelling in you, which means all the gifts are potentially, potentially resident 
in you already. Which means theoretically, it's possible for God to work through you to do things on this list that we just read that you never thought you could do before. Because that's what we believe. We believe that the God of the universe dwells in us. Our eyes have been opened. We were in darkness, and now we see the world through a different set of lenses, a spiritual set of lenses that comes from the power of Jesus. That same Jesus lives in you, and by what we understand, that his spirit, in his spirit, is resident all the abilities and gifts necessary to do the work that God has called us to do. Theoretically, it's already in you. He's already in you. And theoretically, the only issue is that these gifts haven't been released in you yet. Are you tracking what I'm saying? Are you tracking that it's, this is different than maybe we thought? Maybe your call to adventure right now is a lot easier uh, to explore all the things that God wants to do than maybe you'd originally thought. Are, are you tracking? Can you see where this is all going in a few minutes? Um, the other thing we see with spiritual gifts is that they are a gifting. You can fill that in. But they're also a ministry. Sometimes when we are faithful to use the role that God has given us, the gifts that we have, as we're faithful, sometimes there develops a pattern for us to do the same type of work over and over again. And it turns into a ministry. The best thing that we can liken it to would be um, uh, working out in the gym. Uh, the more you work out certain muscle groups, the more you uh, develop those muscles. And the more you develop those muscles, the stronger it becomes. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, we, in and of ourselves, our action doesn't actually, uh, and, and we can't develop it and hone it like the force. Yeah, I mean, if you think of Luke Skywalker and the force, that's not what we're doing here. But the more we practice our gifts, the more we're aware, the more we experience and learn how God works with us in those moments. We can grow in that, and that can turn into a ministry. So there's some people over time that develops particular kinds of uh, spiritual gifts. They've developed it by working with God and partnering with God to develop them. So they become better or uh, as they share words of encouragement that are very specific to people. They become better when they pray for healing and people actually get healed. Um, I pray for people all the time and they never get healed. <laughs> you know? and, and I just keep going. I'm like, sign me up. I'm going to pray for like a thousand people this year. And hopefully, you know, we'll get a percentage of people that get healed. But other people operate in that gift better because they've wor- learned to interact with the Spirit of God. They've developed intimacy with God over time and it's resulted in greater success and effectiveness in using that gift. Now, as we discussed last week, part of the problem is our worldview. Our worldview in the West is, well, you know, that doesn't happen because we're more empirical, we're more rational. Um, But as we look at the world, we see a very trans-rational point of view. The supernatural is working and effective in a greater way uh, around the world. Uh, So in this church, we see some things that happen that are supernatural. In other parts of the world, this is an everyday thing. In fact, you can't even really have a church in certain parts of the two-thirds world unless you're operating in spiritual power. So we can't always apply our perspective of spiritual power on it. So um, what does this mean for you? Well, what if it's true? What if the dormant gifts are already in you because the spirit of Jesus lives in you? I mean, what if that was possible? 
Could it be true? Could it be possible that as you look at that list, like there's stuff in there that you could do, that God wants to do through you? I mean, I think so. But before we get to that, um, let's look at the, these manifestations. See the list? Can you look at the list? You see the gift of wisdom. It was the ability to get wise counsel when understanding fails us. Uh, you, uh, sometimes the Spirit of God gives us insight and wisdom and what to do in a particular situation. This happens often for me, for other people, and yet somehow it escapes me in my decisions. <laughs> and so I, I, oftentimes, even before someone has even like has told me something, I'll be getting impressions in my mind about here's what you should consider doing. They're, well, how did you know the details of that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I can walk into a situation and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do and the advice I'm supposed to give even before they let me know. And I always ask questions, so it's not just me bulldozing people. I ask questions, but sometimes I get those impressions and that is the Spirit of God at work. Next one, the gift of knowledge, the ability to understand something that we may not have the natural ability to understand. Uh, The next one, the the gift of healing. This is God's healing power to heal conditions of bodies supernaturally. Uh, Throughout the years, uh, Nikki and I and some of the people we're connected with with the vineyard, we've prayed for people and we've seen people healed. They were not well when they came in. We prayed and we didn't do anything special. Uh, We just said, God, heal them. And then they got healed. Uh, And we've been a part of a group of churches that practice that. And we didn't have to line them up and hit them on the head and raise lots of money. We just said, God, we ask that you would heal them. We say, be healed in the name of Jesus. No hype, no even difference in our voices. Just me talking like that. Be healed. And we've seen God heal people. So some people, for some reason, from time to time, God gives them the ability to pray for people and see people healed. Gift of miracles. The ability to perform signs that are transrational, not normal. The gift of prophecy, the ability to speak words of God, the words of God to the people of God about his call and his direction. Sometimes at the end of our talk, we'll have someone get up and what they're doing is they're prophesying. They're saying, here's what I think God is saying. And they always do it in here's what I think. We never want to say like thus saith the Lord kind of language because we don't always get it right. We're all on the journey of trying to recognize God's voice. But someone will get up and they'll say, you know, I feel like God is leading us to, and then they'll say something. And usually it's pretty general, and usually it has something to do with us participating with God and what he wants to do in our lives. Gift of tongues. It's a prayer language for both personal use, but in corporate worship for the purpose of powerful experience. And then there's the interpretation of tongues, which is the ability to interpret special spiritual language. Now, here in our church, what we do, um, we believe in the gift of tongues, uh, and we... uh, and we invite people to use their gifts, but we always want to do that with caution. Um, we want to do this in a way where there is a way to interpret what's happening. We don't want it to be confusing. And when you think about it this way, the most relevant human being that ever lived was Jesus. And everything that he did, he tried to do things that communicated his love for us. And his spirit now that lives with us and lives in you is the most relevant thing and can communicate everything very clearly. What we don't want to do is apply some of our uh, understanding of 
the gift of tongues, or any other one of these gifts, so that it becomes confusing, so that the communication of God's love for people doesn't get through. You understand that we could actually misrepresent the gifts that God has given us and make them confusing for people who are trying to find Jesus? We don't want to do that. So in every way, when we use the gifts, we want to make sure that we use them in a way that makes sense to the outsider as best we can. Now, if you go up to someone and say, hey, I just felt like God was telling me this, and and you have maybe a particular name that you've never heard, and you tell someone something specific, and you say that God wants to do something new, there's not much you can do to an outsider or someone that doesn't know Jesus other than be like, I think God told me. And that's where it gets a little weird. But what we don't want to do is create such an insider kind of tone here that it's not easy for people who are looking to find God to be able to access God. So we need to hold that tension. God wants to do supernatural things in our community. But at the same time, we need to be able to explain those things the best we can to someone who's on the outside looking in. Does that make sense? So that's my warning for the day. Well, all right, now we're going to do a little self-assessment, and then I'm going to wrap up. Um, Look at that list. Which one of these gifts are you naturally drawn to? Which one sticks out to you? Which one of these gifts have you already seen a pattern of using in your own life? Anything on that list? Now pause for a minute. And this is where I've had an issue. As you look at that list, uh, some of you feel naturally inclined towards a particular gifting. And maybe you've seen some of that in your life. I think sometimes we misappropriate uh, God's gifting for our own. Uh, this has happened to me. Ever since I can remember, I, w- I would have uh, impressions about like, here's what you should do in this situation. Here's the direction we should go. Here's how I think this should be. And I, I always thought that those were my thoughts or my ideas. And then as I uh, kind of grew in the faith and uh, as I got connected more with folks that were trying to help me understand what spiritual gifts are, uh, I had become so accustomed to thinking that those thoughts were my own thoughts uh, that I didn't take time to realize that maybe it was the Spirit of God living in me that was delivering those things. I got to say that to you. There might be some dormant things that you think are coming from your natural abilities in your own brain that might not be. There might be some things that God has already started to to do in you that are actually from him. Cue the Star Wars music. (laughs) That there's something that God is already stirring, something that God might want to do. So here's what I want to do, and here's where it could get interesting uh, for us. Um, According to the scriptures... Jesus' followers are simply empowered to release these gifts. Um, And here's how it's done. I say to you, in Jesus' name, I release these gifts. And that's it. I've looked over the scriptures. I've talked to people that are smarter than me. Uh, and the scripture says that when we release gifts in other people, those gifts are released. The Christian is now free to operate in those gifts. The problem isn't the gift. The problem isn't the gifter. Uh, much of our problem is our worldview. Well, we go, well, it can't be that easy. 
It can't be that easy. That's the way it was done way back then. It can't be done like that now. Uh, but I see no indication in the Bible that it is difficult to have the gifts released to you. The gifts that you look at that list, you'd say, I would want to use those things for God's glory. This is not like the force. And when Luke is operating with the force, there's an emotional, like he has to have that stoic look thing, and he has to be very like emotionally connected, and it's an impersonal force. I see no indication of that in the scripture. In fact, you get the impression that Luke is ramping himself up to experience the power of the force. In the Christian Bible, we don't ramp up, we ramp down. The whole point of this project that Jesus started was that we aren't going to be good enough to do it. We actually don't have what it takes. And what we want to practice is what, it does, what, what we read in the Bible, something called being naturally supernatural. I see nothing in the Bible that it's difficult, that you must pass the 10 tests and jump through rings of fire and like look really passionate on your knees praying for like years. Uh, you don't like, that's what we read about in the Old Testament that like the priests would cut themselves and they would sing for hours and they thought that if they were heard by their many words by the idols, that the idols would listen to them and grant them spiritual power. You think about that, the Philistines were doing that in the Old Testament and they had all their prophets, the prophets of Baal they're cutting themselves. They're bleeding all over the altar. And they're crying out for hours, singing and dancing and flailing. They're trying to stir up and try to show their idol, Baal, that they need Baal's help. You got Elijah sitting there next to him. And Elijah is no hype. He's like, maybe your God's sleeping. He's egging him on. <laughs> He's egging him on for like hours. And then, ba and then Elijah gets up and he's like, God, I want you to show yourself to these people. And I ask that you would do something. And so uh, as soon as he does that, fire comes down from heaven <laughs> and lights this, what they would call an altar. In Elijah's worldview, in every example of the Bible, we don't see a lot of hype. We don't see that we get the gifts because of our goodness. We get the gifts in spite of our goodness. You're not that good to begin with. Neither am I. You weren't going to be that good anyway. Your marginal improvement of your personal life isn't going to make you good enough to get spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are already living in you because of the power of the cross. And so uh, might I suggest that if you're not experiencing the power of the gifts, if you're not operating in spiritual power, maybe you're not reading the biblical text according to what the text says, but rather you're reading it through the lenses of your personal experience. And I said it last week and I'll say it again. When I have this discussion, when I have this debate with people, it usually comes down to this. Usually the last, the final analysis is they cannot believe the Bible for what it says, but they base it on their personal experience. They go, I cannot believe this is true because that has not been my experience. And that's not what we're doing here. That's not the project. The project is, the plan is, is that you would get to do the stuff. That God's kingdom 
is coming to earth more and more, and we are invited to participate in making a renewed, a renewed world. And part of the demonstration of that renewed world is that you would use gifts that are beyond your ability to do it, your own personal ability to do it. And so I don't know what else to do. I'm really at a loss because the Bible just says that you're supposed to ask for these things. And uh, people around you in these chairs were just supposed to ask that those things would be released in you. I cannot find anything else that I feel like we're supposed to do ahead of time to release gifts. I can't. It's just there. We're just supposed to ask for them. And so I have to ask you, as I'm teaching and you are furiously writing notes and also wondering what time we're going to end, um, I want to know. What do you feel led to ask for of that list? Do you want them all? Do you want two? Is there something you're like, you know, God, I've, I really feel like I want to start to do this. So what do you want to ask for? So I don't know. Um, who wants to try? Should we try? Should, should we try to release some, some gifts and people? Would this congregation be as uh, so bold? Now, listen, if you don't want to participate, that's fine. Don't participate. But I want to try to release gifts because God says if we release them, then they're, then they're with you, and you can start to practice them and grow in them. I would like to do that if some of you would like to try. So can we try? Can we see what happens? I'm not expecting to get it to get very charismatic and Pentecostally. That's not a word. It's not going to get very Pentecostal in here. It's going to be a releasing. And so um, for whoever's willing, why don't we try? Why don't we all stand?